How many of you enjoyed this past week? Weather, my gosh. I know you snow people. I, you can outlaw prayer in school, but as long as there's a potential for a snow day, there will be prayer in school. People praying for no... We had snow, we had rain, we had sleet, we had snow or sun. We had it all happening last week, and I'm very happy to see it going. I had my life quota of shoveling growing up in the Kootenays. So I, know the, I noticed the people who rejoiced the most either grew up here or in some foreign land where it never snowed. I don't know if there's any connection there, but here we are in the middle of January already. Uh, we have a running tally in the office how often I say how close it is to Christmas. So at this point, it's 346 days <laughs> till Christmas. So if you're looking for something for it to happen, 365 days until my 50th birthday. So 66. So anyway... New year, new you, and we've been talking about this theme of adulting, of growing up, of growing in who we are, becoming all that we're called to be. Uh, in, in, interestingly enough, this past Friday was National Quitters Day. You know, there's all kinds of national days for everything. National Brown Dog Day, I don't know. There's all of them. The advent of social media has polluted our uh, specialness of everything. But National Quitters Day, and I thought, oh, that means like somebody who is trying to, to quit smoking or something, this is going to be their day to start. No, this is the day to just quit your resolution that you made 18 days previously or 16 days previously. And, but I think uh, we've talked about how res resolutions, maybe not resolutions are the most important thing, but there is something in us that wants our life to look better, to be better, our relationships to be healthier, our body to be a little lighter perhaps, uh, our, our focus to be a little bit uh, more intense, if you will, uh, our, our life to have more purpose and meaning. We, in other words, we just want life to, to go a little better, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's actually a very, very healthy thing to say, I'm here, but I know that there's more for me. I need to get a little better relationally. I need to communicate a little better, or whatever it might be. We don't uh, put all our uh, identity in that, but we also recognize that part of growing up in God is to grow up. It's not just a salvation experience where you say, hey, Jesus is the Lord of my life, but Jesus wants to help us grow up. And that aligns because Jesus said this in John 10, 10, he said that the thief does not come to, uh, except to steal, kill, and to destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it more, and say that word, abundantly. And that word abundantly is really key because you see what it means there. It means beyond what is anticipated. How many of you would say, I want 2020, 2020 to be beyond what I anticipate right now? What are the rest of you doing? How many of you would say, I want 2020 to exceed my expectations of today? There we go. We're almost awake now. I see you. Someone told me last week that they were praying and, and saying, God, what do you want for me? What's kind of my word for this year? And, for, uh, and, they, and they talked about just, they felt like God was saying to change your expectation. To wake up and say, what is possible today instead of what could go wrong today? Some of us approach every day like that. I'm just looking for something to go wrong. I'm looking for the other shoe to drop. I'm liking, looking for something negative to, to come undone. I've had three good days. A bad one's coming. But life, and more abundantly, going past the expected limit. We do that all the time with our cars. Go past the expected limit. 
Somebody this morning was following me. I almost wanted to do something, but I was on my way to church, so I, I didn't. But God wants your 2020 to be more than you currently expect. I'm not, I'm not saying that. It's not just a year thing. It's just the turning of the calendar gives us an opportunity to talk about what God has said for your life. He wants it to be beyond the limits of your experience so far. Beyond the limits of what others would say about your life based on your background or your education or the struggle that you're currently in. That's the first and most important part of how we approach and look at our lives. It says, I want to change, not just for the sake of change, but I'm actually partnering with Jesus who says, I want your life to look better, to be better, to be more fruitful, to be more productive, to be more engaged with what I have than, than what it was in 2019 or, or yesterday or last Friday on National Quitters Day. I want more. And our lives begin to change when we begin to let God change the way that we think. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You can never rise above the level of your thinking. So if your thinking is not right, we have to allow God in to begin to change our thinking to change our life. To grow up into maturity, to adulting. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 20, the Apostle Paul who wrote much of the New Testament had been a hater, hater of Christians, but became a, a follower of Jesus and built the church. He said this to a group of people that were kind of confused about what they were doing and how they were doing it. But it's a general, a specific instance, but a general principle of the Bible. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regards to your in evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be, let's say that word, adults. This is Paul speaking to a church. So if you don't like being said, grow up and become in your thinking like adults and take it up with the Apostle Paul when you get to heaven. Because right now I'm going to say it and you can blame him. But to grow up and become more mature, to become more adult-like, to become more like Jesus in the way that we live and think. It's, it's not about uh, your age because I've met many people who are older who have not matured. I'm not looking at anybody in particular. I'm just scanning the audience. And I've also met people who are 16 and 17 years old who are incredibly mature. Because maturity is not a function of age. It's a function of character. It's a, it's a function of desire. It's a function of buying into something that's bigger than yourself. And so when we talk about that, we're saying, God, I want to grow up. Somebody say that with me. I want to grow up. I want to grow up into what you have. I don't want to live in what I've experienced because it's not about me. It's about much, much more than me. See, there is, though, a thief, and though, even though Jesus says, this is what I want for your life, he also says, before he says that, he said, there's a thief that's come to steal, kill, and destroy, to steal your hope, to, to destroy your effectiveness, to kill every dream and maybe even your very life. And so we're in a battle for this. And last week, we, or two weeks ago, we talked about the thief of busyness in our world. Last week, Daniel just did a great job of talking about the thief of unresolved conflict. If you didn't listen to that, you can find it on horizonfam.ca. Great message as well. 
But there's another thief that affects pretty much every person in the room. It bothers many, many people at night as they go to sleep. It follows you to work. It sits in your car with you. And it's the thief of money worry. And for many Canadians, money worries are the greatest source of stress, more than work, more than personal health, and more than relationships. Two out of three Canadians, uh, uh, a survey that was done just in November, as people looked into 2020, two out of three Canadians say they worry about thinking of their financial prospects into 2020. 48% say they've lost sleep because of financial issues. 44% feel like it would be difficult to meet their financial obligations if their pay was late. There are many sources of household stress or financial stress, managing household expenses. Seems like the ever-increasing price of meat and the stuff that we eat and vegetables and all that. Dealing with high levels of debt. These are uh, from a Stats Canada survey. Living paycheck to paycheck. Struggling to save money for, for the short term as well as the long term. Dealing with unexpected expenses. And all those have an effect on us. And when I talk about this, this is not talking from the place of theory of someone who's never experienced pretty much everything of those. 99, 2000, I lost, uh, my job, I was laid off, and I, I was unemployed for nine months on Vancouver Island at that time. Not a lot of jobs were available, and I went on uh, employment insurance, and I was doing whatever I could to find some work. I did concrete work, I did uh, flooring, I did whatever I could. I all kinds of different things to try and survive. And there were times that we got ourselves into a, a real hole financially through the situation that we were experiencing. Two kids, third one came in the middle of all of that. And then financial mismanagement and a whole bunch of things. And creditors calling and terrible uh, anxiety and frustration until finally we, we got it solved. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. So I'm not talking about this from I've got it all together and I've never made a mistake. I think pretty much in the room, if you're alive, you've made a financial mistake at some point in your life. So let's just be done with the shame game and say we just want to move on and, and begin to live a little healthier in this area of our life. Because it, it really does affect us. Here's how, if you don't deal with it, these are the kind of things if we don't move on into uh, maturity in this way. If you're dealing with financial stress, this is what the Stats Canada report says from 2018. You are twice as likely to report poor overall health. Four times more likely to suffer from sleep problems, headaches, and other illnesses. College students struggle with anxiety, panic attacks, and shame about their student debt. You're more likely, if you have financial issues, to experience strain in your personal relationships. Money problems are the second leading cause of marriages breaking up after adultery. It's a real issue. And it goes on to financial stress leads to more serious health problems such as heart disease, high blood pressure, mental health conditions such as depression, anxiety. And as a friend of mine posted the other day, of those carrying debt, one in five have considered suicide. You know, sometimes in church we talk about things that nobody's asking about. But from what I've seen in our culture, from what I've experienced personally, I know in the room that this is a real thing. I know in the room that this, in our city, this is a real issue. 
And so a lot of times we have to ask ourselves if we're talking about what needs to be talked about. And so we're going to talk about, whether you like it or not this morning, what needs to be talked about. I tend to do that. Because worry is stealing our sleep. For some people, uh, financial stress is literally taking their life. For others, it's causing marital breakup, family disruption, anxiety as a travel, all kinds of issues because of financial issues. So we want to talk about this because where's the abundant life? You can't be thinking about abundant life if you're wondering if you'll pay the mortgage. You're in survival mode. You are not thinking about a wonderful abundant life if you're fighting with your spouse because the bills have not been paid. You are not. So all these areas, it says, where's the abundant life? Where's the impact? Where's the meaning? Where's the hope? We need ancient wisdom in our modern world. How do we get there? How do we get into these problems? Well, first, sometimes it happens to us. We go through them because of educational debt. Sometimes we, are, we go through a terrible divorce and we're left uh, living in our, our parents' basement, never believing that we'd be there. Perhaps you're new in Canada and trying to make your way. Sometimes unexpected expenses have snowballed and, and they've got out of control. Maybe you had a health issue that left you unable to work. There's all kinds of reasons on our part that almost seem out of our control. And then there's things that happen because of us, because we did something that was not brilliant. Maybe we overspent. Maybe we uh, took a loan that we shouldn't have taken. Maybe we're not keeping track of what we do have. Or we haven't gotten the education and prepared well for our life. Maybe it's just the big picture things of financial issues in our economy. In the last two decades, our economy has rapidly been changing. There's... Literally, if you're, for example, in a newspaper business there are, and the, the multi, or in the media business, like people who used to write stories and all kinds of things and did jobs for, around newspapers are being laid off by the hundreds in Canada because we have this thing called the Internet now. It's not going away. Brick-and-mortar stores that are closing up because people order only on Amazon or don't, don't, don't do any shopping locally or any of those kind of things. And so whether I'm not making a comment on that other than to say our economy continues to change. And sometimes you find yourself in a spot, you're like, my business is really suffering or my finances are really suffering. And I'm not here to put shame on anyone because shame only keeps you locked up. I'm here to actually give the hope of the gospel, the hope of ancient wisdom, and help us to define and redefine our relationship with money. Because we can't become what we're made to be by remaining where we are. Yeah. Turn to someone and say, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Anytime we talk about money, people get a little nervous. But we're going to look at some ancient wisdom because I believe actually what Jesus said is true, that in every area of our life, that from where I am, there's more than I've expected. That there are limits that, have, that are right now on my life that God wants to take me beyond. I want all that Jesus has for me. doesn't mean I want what Jesus has for you. I want all that Jesus has for me in every area of my life, including this one. And people say, well, why are you talking about money? Why don't you talk about the important things like Jesus talked about, like money or like prayer and Bible reading and all that? Jesus talked about this subject more than any other. He talked about money more than he talked about heaven and hell and prayer combined. I wonder why that is. Because I think it goes back to a verse that he said this. 
And, and the first wisdom that we want to look at is the wisdom of God first in our finances. And we're going to move on from that, but we're going to start there where Jesus said you can't serve God in money because then he goes on. And, and this, is, this is the, I start here because this is where everything flows from. Because what you love has your heart. What has your heart has your life. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Be, and another proverb says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of your life. That's, that's how you live your life based on what you love. You say, well, I don't love money. and I, I'm, The Bible does not say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money. Because what has your heart has your hands. What has your hands has your life. And so when Jesus is warning us, he's saying, you can't love God and money. You can't do that. There's a battle for our heart around money. It's not money itself. It's a battle for our heart because what has our heart has our life. And then Jesus goes on to say this. He says, if you settle that question, you do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Don't worry about all that or where we're going to live or all that. Put God first. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. In other words, put me in the driver's seat of your finances, and I will take you and lead you and help you in a way that you could never do in yourself and with your own wisdom. The very... Uh, the, the person with the greatest barriers in the room has hope because when we invite Jesus into the story, he can begin to shift things for you financially. This is real life. It's about order. When I put God first, I'm inviting him in to, to a place of leadership. It's clear we need God's help. Did you hear the statistics that I read about our nation? And the fact is, is that by and large, Christians are very close, uh, if not worse in some of these, than anybody else. And so I know that there's frustration. I know that there's anxiety. I know that there's marital problems. I know that there's all kinds of issues. So I'm going to come and talk about it because Jesus talked about it, putting God first off the top, not off the leftover, saying, God, you're the Lord of my life. You're the Lord of my finances. You're the Lord of my RSP. You're the Lord over my debt. You're the Lord over my mismanagement. You're the Lord Lord over my success. You're the Lord over my retirement. In every place, I want you to have the first place. Because this, what gets your first and best tends to be the ruler of the rest. What gets your first and best tends to be the ruler of the rest. Who gets your first and best? God or your money? Because if we don't define our relationship with our money, it will define itself as our master. And that's what Jesus said 2,000 years ago. You can't serve God and money. It's one or the other. And then it's the wisdom of generosity. And we're, these are just some things that instead I could preach an eight-week sermon, and I'm not going to do that this morning. So I'm giving you eight things that I think are really super important to help us in our financial world. And here they are. Number two, the wisdom of generosity. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Yet another withholds, but comes to poverty. And this is a principle of the Word of God. It's a principle of life. Sow what you need. Sow what you need. You need love? Don't withdraw. Give love. You need friendship? Be a friendly. You need finances? Sow finances. You need Whatever you need, it's the principle of, of life, sow what you need. Because here's what happens. When I put one seed, we used to plant a garden, we don't now. 
We used to plant a garden, and it's only because we live in a multifamily complex. People plant other things. We'll just leave it at that. Well, and so, <laughs> some of you know exactly, it's your neighbor. Um, we plant one seed, and we don't get one out. You plant a corn seed, and you get maybe three or four kernels or cobs of corn with hundreds of kernels on them because it's a principle of how God works and it's the way that he helps to provide for you is he puts seed in your hand and says, sow some seed so that I can give you an increase. I can give what you sow or I can increase what you sow. What you don't sow will not grow. Oh God, help me. Sow some seed. Sow some finances, sow some service, sow some love, sow some friendship. And I don't want to belabor the point, but God honors obedience, not intention. I can intend to plant a garden, and, do, and if I don't, no matter how many times I go out and could be so mad and disappointed, there is no carrots there. I can't believe it. God, what are you doing? Why haven't you grown some carrots? It's a partnership with God. God invites us into partnership with him. And what you need, sow it. Sow it so that it can grow. Sow so it can grow. Now, you might be thinking, great. Typical pastor. Put God first and give your money away. That's what I thought. We taking the offering now, pastor? Because this is about where it always ends every time I get to church. And unfortunately, often that is the case in church. Because we don't want to mess around in your business, but I'm not that pastor. Because why should I be the only one getting messed around with by God to grow up? It's only the things that we just talked about, those two things are only part of the story. But they're important and they lay the foundation for everything financially, but they're only part of the story. But you might be saying, Pastor, I just need more money. Maybe that's part of the issue, and we're going to talk about that in a moment, how you can grow your, how you can help with that. But let me tell you this. I, this ad kept popping up as I've been researching on, on this issue. Then Instagram, because we know they're all listening. Then Instagram starts putting up ads on financial planning and help. For real. There was this one that talked about Will Smith. Everybody know who Will Smith is? Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. A whole new generation is discovering him. And in his first two years as an actor there, he made over a million dollars. You think, wow. If I had, how many of you would say, I could handle that? Anybody around the room who can handle a million dollars? You'd be okay with that. But here's the problem, he said. He spent two million. And he spent year three living in a tiny little apartment with his wages being garnished and barely enough food to eat because he had to pay back the debt. So it's not just a question of how much money you have. It's what you do with what you have that's going to pay off because there's always somebody who has more money than you. Always somebody. If I just had that, if I, no. We're going to go and look at that. So I'm going to mess around with you a little bit this morning and help you in this way. Because it's both ends. We need God, and we need to do things God's way by giving and sowing and all that kind of stuff. But then there's just real, real stuff that we need to do. And the first one is, or number three in total, but the wisdom of vision. 
Without a vision, we live carelessly. If you don't have a plan for your finances, you will, have, you will, you will get nowhere. We need the reality because vision is the ability to see beyond where you currently are and it will give you the power to live beyond where you currently are. But you must see where you want to go before you even know how to get there. Because if you, if you plan to go nowhere, that's exactly where you will go. If you shoot at a target, you will at least hit something. So begin to say, God, what would you like for my life? How would you like my finances to look? What do you want us to invest in? How, do you, how will you help me to get out of debt? How, how, how could my life and my vision for my life grow? And we sometimes look at, there's so many things and so many questions, and I don't know how, and we give up before we start on National Quitters Day, January the 17th. But we underestimate the power of small things over time. Because here's the reality. Many, many people, and probably some of us in the room, have a plan to exercise more. And we, where I read this recently, the guy said like uh, how he's had a membership in a gym for three months and nothing has changed. He's so frustrated, he's actually going to go to the gym tomorrow and see if that'll help. And sometimes we underestimate this power of small things. For example, you want to exercise more. If you walked every day 15 minutes at a reasonable pace, 15 minutes a day, reasonable pace. By the end of the year, if you walked every day, you will have walked not 100 kilometers, much, much more than that. You will have walked over 460 kilometers in a year. How many of you would like, if someone said, do you want to walk 500 kilometers? You'd be like, God, no. I do not want that. If Jesus will have to come in the room and tell me to do it, that's what's going to happen. Do you want to see me dead? Like, what's going on? No. But if you do 15 minutes a day over the course of a year, you can walk almost 500 kilometers. Wow. And we underestimate the power of small things led by a vision. I want to get healthier. And for all I'm going to do is every day, 15 minutes a day, walk. And at the end of the, day, at the, end of the year, 460 kilometers. And when I was in my, I think, 41, 42, I wanted to walk or run a marathon. And what I had to do, or a half marathon, and what I had to do is I had to, this is what I, I remember where I was. It was on, in Fleetwood, uh, just south of Fraser Highway. I pulled over and I signed up online, paid the money for a half marathon in September. And this was in like March. Why? Because I needed a vision. Because without a vision, you know how many times in the morning I'd get up and I'd say, it's raining, it's too, it's too wet, it's too cold, it's definitely too hot, it's too dark, I think I saw a big dog, I'm not feeling well, my wife's not feeling well, I slept in, I don't have the right equipment. Anybody ever been there before? But once I signed up and paid my 125 bucks, I'm like, I, I am going to be there. And I was. I was barely there, but I was there. And I got under two hours on a half marathon. But it's because there was a vision that led my decisions. So begin to ask God, what would the vision for my life be? Do I want to get out of a basement suite? Do I want to sponsor a child this year in a developing nation? 
Do I want to take a vacation? Do I want to get a job that's more enjoyable? Do I want my kids to get an education? Do, Do I want to buy a home? I don't know. Your vision from God is for you. But ask God instead of being led by every wind that goes through. So wisdom of vision, the wisdom of planning. This is where it actually breaks down for most of us. Proverbs 21 and 5 says, the plans, everybody say plan. The plans of the diligent lead to profit. In other words, your plans are going to take you where your vision was, was pointing you. And for many, many people, this is simply this. It's just planning what to do to get to the vision. And it might be a vision that takes you three years. It might be a vision that takes you one year. I don't know. But a goal or a vision without a plan is just a wish. It's a dream. If you want to put your dream into reality, begin to make a plan for your dream. Make better decisions in the short term so that you can have victory in the long term. Live in a way today so that you can thrive tomorrow. The top three budgeting apps right there. Take a picture of that screen. That's the name of them. Mint spending tracker and good budget those are uh, most pretty much every person who has a financial issue has a budgeting issue and a planning issue and it's not about um you know just limiting yourself it's about making the things that excite you possible making the things so changing the way we look at how we budget from oh i got to limit my life no i'm actually putting into place a plan that makes the things that are in my heart possible putting steps to the journey so that what's in my heart can be seen with my eyes and experienced with my life. So there's the wisdom of planning. There's the wisdom of saving. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. I will point out that if you grew up in a family of six kids, you gulp everything down because you're not sure that there will be a second helping, but you've you got to race. But the wise store up choice food and olive oil. And that's saying that there are, when times are good, set some aside, save, begin to plan. And people say, I don't have any ability to do that. I'm living at 105%. Start small. Give up your coffee from Tim Hortons twice a week, $5 a week. Over the course of a year, you will have $250 in the bank. And start small. Build with a $250 or $300 and begin to work towards greater things and things that are on your heart to save for. Then maybe you begin to look at, oh, I need, I need to save for my education. I need to save for my retirement. I need to save so that I can be a blessing to give. I need to, whatever it would be. But saving is incredibly powerful. The point is to build margin to fund things that are on your heart to do. The wisdom of defeating debt. We've touched on it already, but dealing with debt, CIBC commissioned a study this past fall. Dealing with debt is the number one issue, money issue facing Canadians. Number one, above all else. And the Bible addresses it this way. It says in Proverbs 22, 7, the borrower is, what's the word? Servant to the lender. And the consequences can be severe. If you lack the means to pay, your very bed will be snatched from under you. Bankruptcy laws in Canada do not allow your bed to be snatched. But the point being that the consequences can be severe. So we want to deal with that. For simplicity's sake, Lawn mortgage debt tells us, or when we look at that, 44% of Canadians are $200 a month or less away from financial insolvency. Just everything going into, into terrible, terrible spaces. So we take action to get one of the 
I would tend to be this way. If I ignore a problem, guess what will happen to it in my mind? It's going to go away. Anybody else in the room like that ever? If you just ignore it, you believe it will go away. Come on, I'm not the only one. How many of us right now? Sometimes we think like that. Sometimes we we don't want to know. We get in denial and we do all that kind of stuff. But the reality is we need to take action. Stop going backwards and start moving ahead. Is it time to see a credit counselor? Some signs that you might, it might be. If you're making only minimum payments on your credit card, if you're paying credit with credit, I've done that before in, in the time that I talked about earlier. If re, you're relying on credit to make the ends meet of your just day-to-day expenses, if you have trouble sticking to or not having a budget, if you have little or no savings for unexpected expenses, you need to see a credit counselor. And again, the point is not shame. The point is freedom. Because debt is like a noose around our neck. Uncontrolled, unsustainable debt is like a noose around your neck. These are the signs that the noose is tightening. And we don't want to pay the price. And you're like, how do I do it? Just go to that. You can remember it. You can take a snap of it. You can, uh, nomoredebts.org. And it's, it's a nonprofit in Canada. It's one office right here in Surrey that can help you be free from debt. one 527 899 for those 8999 for those listening online as well, that you can get help. Go on, look for help for your mental health, for your relational health, for your ability to be a blessing, for your financial future, whatever your age, the sooner we deal with it, the better. The wisdom of dealing with your debt, the wisdom of training. This one is an untapped resource. And here's what I'm going to read that verse and then I'll explain it. Put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. After that, build your house. Building your house in the Bible is often an analogy of your life. So before you build your life, help yourself by doing something that's going to help provide for you. Look what he says. Take care of the outside. Take care of your fields. Something that's going to produce for you. If you will pay attention to that, your building of your house will be a whole lot easier because then there's resources to build your life. There's resources to do what's in your heart. All those kind of things. And so we underestimate the importance of training. My kids, there's a, uh, one or two of them were not pumped at doing anything beyond high school. And I told them, you've got to give yourself options in life. You've got to give yourself options in life. If you have no training and no skill development, you will almost always stay at the bottom of the financial ladder and not be able to help yourself. I'm going to show you very... uh, So whether you're 20 or 40, if your job prospects seem limited, if you're Uh, feel like you've hit your financial ceiling in your job or it's just something happening, not really happening, work at it and begin to say, how can I upgrade myself? How can I get better skills? How can I get better training? What could I do to help myself? Because here's the facts. Men with a bachelor's degree have a 21% greater income over their lifetime than those with a college degree or just a two-year program, and almost 50% greater than someone with only a high school education. But it's not just about going to college. If you Also, if you are someone who gets into a trade, we need 
people that are good at their trade. How many of you like dealing with your plumbing issue? You don't. You want somebody who can do that. Plumbers and carpenters and, and people that millwrights and all kinds of things. Uh, if you're, they, uh, their experience of how much better they do, they are 30% more than just a high school education alone. So you increase and open options to yourself when that are simply not possible. And the reality is, if you're 40 years old, how many more years probably are you going to work in Canada? Anybody? 25, 30, or maybe 50. Depends on your financial situation. But honestly, we say, oh, I couldn't make a change because uh, the sacrifice would be too great. If you did an apprenticeship in some trade, if, you, if you're a male or a female, and your in- income at the end of it went 30% up, would your life look better for the remaining 20 years? Anybody? Just nod your head if you're like, I catch it. $1.2 million, maybe more over the course of 40 years. If you're, if you're maybe all I have is a high school education, maybe go and get a two-year thing so that you can get at a higher level in an office. Maybe you're, wherever you're at, say, God, how could you help me to get a little higher in my training? I'm getting super practical. I'm messing around in your life right now. But sometimes we blame the system when we need to turn and look in the mirror. I have such incredible friend of mine, who I won't mention her name, went back to school in her late 30s to take on a, a, a career path that was not in her world that's going to radically change her financial future. I know people who have done that. And don't say it couldn't happen for you. And if the baptism people can get ready and do their thing and you know who you are. For women with a bachelor's degree, 41% more than people with just a diploma and 58% more than those with a high school education alone. Now, let me say this as well. There are some people who, through health issues, uh, physical issues, uh, whatever it might be, are not able to work. And we, I am grateful that the Bible has a program for that. If you're not able to work, we are going to help, and we're going to come alongside, and we're going to support But sometimes not able means we just have to help them to get into a space that fits with them. But literally some people can't because of various issues, and we come alongside them with compassion. We help and we minister and we uh, come alongside both as as a society and as a church in whatever way that we're able to do that. So we're not, there's no shame in that. We're not talking about that. But if you're able to work, the best help that you can give for your life long term is deal with your life issues that have held you back and then say, where can I get an upgrade in my training and my, my abilities and my skills? Don't lament where you are. Make some decisions to have some longer-term gain because the more you learn, the more you earn. And that's just a simple fact of our, of our world. The more you earn, learn, earn, learn, the more you earn. Warren Buffett, he knows a few things about that if you want to look him up. Then there's finally the wisdom of hard work. <laughs> the, the millennial generation gets tagged with this one a lot. Adulting to our millennial friends is different than it was 30 years ago or 40 years ago. There's some reasons for that. We have what you might have heard this thing called a gig economy, where people are doing a little of this, a little of that, and a little of the other thing to try and put together uh, some income. And so this is not a, about putting down millennials. But there are, the reality is, is hard work beats talent that doesn't work 
every day of the week. Hard work beats talent that doesn't work every day of the week. You see it in sports. How many of you have seen a sports guy that he just hustles or she just hustles and, and they are like, man, making room and, and doing, seeing, seeing great success because they work hard. Don't underestimate the power of hard work. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. Vision doesn't work unless you do. Vision doesn't work unless you do. Let go. Now, in our culture right now, let me just speak to this because I see a lot of it. There's this rage against the system. How the system's rigged and, uh, you know, the political powerful, the, the guys at the top and all that. And, and it may be true to a certain extent. But what it's done is put a hopelessness in many of our people about what could be possible for them. Oh, the system is rigged. There's no way. We are not living in some third world nation with absolute corruption where that may be true. We live in Canada. There is still great opportunity for people who will get the training, put God first, and work hard. God can make a way in spite of all that. Doesn't mean we don't address those things. Doesn't mean we don't try to change them. But I'm not going to sit back and wait for a handout. I'm going to step up and start working hard and doing what's needed. It's still a Bible principle. It's how your life gets better. And can we just agree to let go of the victim mentality that says, because of what those guys or those people, we're not always sure who they are, I can't get ahead in life. Now, there are real things that some of us start ahead of the game. That doesn't mean, though, if you started four steps behind me because I grew up in the situation I grew up, it doesn't mean that you can't begin to move forward. You can get an education. You can deal with your life issues. You can take responsibility for your life. You can begin to make a plan. You can begin to work the plan. You, and so the victim mentality only traps the victim. But you're not a victim of your circumstances. If you belong to Jesus, there is hope for your life. There is hope for your future. God can take you further than anybody ever thought was possible for you. Yeah, but I'm, I, I'm a woman, or, or I'm a visible minority, or I'm, I'm this, or I'm that. or it, All of that to say, all of us have opportunity, and more than anything, the God of heaven is advancing you, is favoring you, is, is promoting you, is moving you into spaces and places that are beyond your ability, beyond what people would say about your ethnicity, beyond whether you're an immigrant or you came through as a refugee. There is hope for you because not only is there opportunity here, there is a God who makes a way for you, who kicks down doors that you can't open, who puts up barriers that have been in your life that have stopped you and pulls them down. That's the God that you serve. And that's why we start with that, but that's why we also end with that. And there's this term that one of my preacher friends talks about, grit and grace. Grace is God does what he does and empowers it, it and makes ways for me. And grit is that I will step in and I will persevere and I will work hard and I will get up early and I will show up every day and I will do my work and God's going to promote me. I've been in place, I, I, I went into serving a private social service, uh, and I came out of ministry, and I, where that 99-2000 period ended was, I got a job, I literally got my last EI check on a Wednesday, I had an interview on a Friday to go into a job I had never done before, started on a Sunday, didn't miss one check, and within two months, 
I was the assistant manager of the program. It's not because I'm the smartest person in the room. It's because I've got favor of God on my life. God makes ways for me that I should not be able to have. God provides for me in ways. As soon as I begin to put God first, he begins to move things in my life. And so you can begin to have hope in your finances. You begin to have hope in your debt situation. You begin to have hope in your planning. You begin to say, God, what would you do in my life? Because wherever there is a vision from God, there is provision from God. And if you train and get the skills and work hard, do your part, you will go much, much further than you ever dreamed possible because God is doing and working for you and on your behalf. Pray like it all depends on God and work like it all depends on you. We're in partnership with God because at the end of the day, we want every area of our life to exceed expectations. Who wants their financial world in 2020 to exceed their expectation? Come on, wave your hand. And I'm not talking about, like, wave your wallet now. We're going to pray and it's going to be magically falling from the sky, diamonds. and We're not that kind of church. But we believe that God works on our behalf. God does his part. And then he says, Craig, will you come with me and join me in partnership and do your part? Exceeding your expectation beyond what you thought was possible. The vision that God has for your life is possible. Stand to your feet. I invite you to stand to your feet. More than anything, what are we doing here? More than anything, it starts with putting God first. Putting God first in every area of our life. When we put God first in that area of our life, suddenly old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. I'm not going to belabor the point except to say this. When you surrender your life to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive my sin. Come in and lead my life your life can begin to change because suddenly the power of heaven is not just up there. The power of heaven is Jesus inside of you beginning to change everything in you and through you. Just bow your head real quick. I want to give people a chance to respond. If as, as I've spoken, you said, Craig, I want to make Jesus the forgiver and leader of my life just as you spoke. Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to, yes. I'm not going to ask you to come up to the front. Yes. Just going to pray for you, pray with you. Anyone else? Say, Jesus, I need you to be the forgiver and leader of my life. Put your hand up and we're going to pray with you. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Lord. So just pray. Family, if you pray this after me all together, and those people that raise their hand, two or three of them, as you pray this, the Bible says, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So Jesus... Repeat after me. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Whatever the future holds, I need you. Forgive my sin. Come in and lead my life. Thank you that you've come to give me life. I receive your life. In Jesus' name, amen. And now around the room, just as I've maybe on one or all or some of the talk, the wisdom points. You say, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm going to boldly just raise every hand up, every eye open. I need help in this area. I need the help of heaven. Just raise your hand. 67% of us are worried about our finances and stuff. Come on, put your hand up. If that's you, you say, I just need the wisdom of God to be walked out of my life a little better this year. I want to see all that God has for me. I'm looking for an upgrade 
from my expectation right now. Anybody need an upgrade in your expectation? Come on. Look around the room. We're not alone. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that debt gets broken this year for many, many of these hands. In the name of Jesus. Thank you that hope comes right now in Jesus' name. Thank you that advancing comes. Lord, I thank you that even for some young people right now, you're going to put them into a place in 2020 that has been a dream of their heart, but somehow hasn't come about. I've got the training, I've done the stuff, but it hasn't opened up. So Lord, I don't know who that is for, but right now, just say, I'm going to receive that for me right now. I'm going to receive that. If you're a young person and you're in that space, I'm going to receive that. So, Father, thank you that in the name of Jesus, you're doing more than we can think or imagine. Lord, thank you that a life and life abundantly in our financial life, Lord, as we put into practice the principles, you will give us the grace and help us to walk with grit and perseverance in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated.